Welcome to episode seven of Travel Time. We're going to be talking today about the Hubbard Glacier and our visit to Sitka. So we're going to start out with Hubbard. I do have Sam with me again today. Hello. We sailed out of Juneau and over to Hubbard. It is in Yakutat Bay. Sorry if I mispronounced it. I believe that's right. So Hubbard is a huge tidewater glacier that's in Yakutat Bay. What we did was the boat sails up to about within a half a mile of it and then goes back and forth in front of it for a couple hours. I think it was about two hours. And see the calving. It's the main reason you're a half mile away. And it felt like you were much closer than that, I'll just say. But the, you're a half mile away because it's not safe to go any closer with the calving. And yeah. there was a little bit of calving, right? Yeah. Um, like every five minutes or so, there would be like a big calve. And you could hear the, uh, you could hear, it was like thunder like right before it happened. And then you could like look over and see like big chunks of ice falling off. Yeah. Sometimes you'd look over and it would be relatively small, a one-story building. Yeah. And then sometimes you'd look over and it would be like the equivalent of like a three-story building yeah. falling off the face of it. And it looks tiny. Like, well, it looks tiny from back there from like when you think about how big it actually is. Yeah. Like, it's insane. There were one or two, though, that I thought looked huge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were almost the whole entire 600 feet of the face of the glacier. Yeah. So, like, the, the glacier is like about 600 feet where it meets the meets the bay and then it's another 650 feet on below it. So that was pretty impressive as well. The other thing that's cool is it's it's seven miles wide. Yeah, that's what it was. And um, from and side to side, which was, it was just mind boggling. Yeah, that's like, when you look at it, it looks like really big. It looks probably like half a mile long from where we were. But like, we saw a ship sail up a little bit closer than us. And it looks so tiny compared to it. I was like, is that what we look like compared to like, <laughs> Well, like when we were sailing away, another cruise ship was coming in and it looked like a toy boat. Yeah. And is that what we were like? (laughs) It was pretty like, it's just really interesting when you hear about the scale and you're in front of it. First of all, I thought the entire time we were in Alaska, everything looked huge. (laughs) I mean, when it would look big and then somebody would tell you how big it actually was and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, because everything seemed really big. It's like those bald eagles looked like sparrows in the trees. That's how big the trees were. So this, this is the largest tidewater glacier in North America. We already mentioned it's about seven miles wide, but it's also 76 miles long. It's just, is massive. And it is actually gaining, I can't remember, I think it's gaining, it's different each year. Like it wasn't surging this year. And so when it surges, it actually closes off this fjord next to it and makes it a lake. And they actually said it's due to surge like that soon because the last time it did it was 1986 and 2002. So they figure they're due for it soon. But when we were there, it was it wasn't quite surging forward that fast. It's twenty five percent larger than the state of Rhode Island. I read that. Oh, I didn't know that. That's no, insane. I think that's crazy. The other thing is the color of it is just utterly amazing. It's this really pure blue. And so the naturalist, the really nice thing about the Disney Wonder was the naturalist that we talked about on the last episode that talked about whales and glaciers on the boat was up on deck broadcasting kind of a naturalist talk while we were there. And it was, it was really cool. Like you mentioned the seals last time. Yeah. Like the reason the sea, there are so many seals is because orcas can't really, they could come in there, but they, it messes with their echolocation, like all the calving and it gives them like a headache. So they can't like go in there. So the seals like to be in there so they can get away from the orcas. Yeah. They apparently don't. And they, and they lay on the icebergs and they actually said, if you see like a dirty iceberg, to look because it's probably a seal because the scale is so big that to you it just looks like specks of dirt and then if you get your binoculars out there's like a little seal hanging out on there 
um, which I thought was crazy. The other thing they mentioned was, and I forgot to mention this with the Mendenhall Glacier. You mentioned that to me a bit ago, but the glaciers are this really crazily cool color blue because the glacier absorbs all the other colors. And so only the blue is kind of showing up from the glacier, which I probably should have known if I had thought about it because the sky is like that, but yeah. I didn't think about it. The, the same naturalist also did a specific program about glaciers during the sailing time of the ship. And I've met, I've said it before about this trip. If you were on an Alaska cruise and there is a naturalist talking, it's really interesting to go and listen to them talk. The sessions are packed, but I was actually surprised that, but it was only a tiny fraction of all the people on the ship that were there. And so a lot of people just missed out on it, which I think is sad. Yeah. it's This is also the largest of eight glaciers in Alaska that are calving and increasing in land mass. So, oh, here it is. They were... um in my notes, it says they were. It's advancing about eighty feet per year on everything. I thought that was really interesting. Really, the biggest thing I can say about this was it was stunning. I mean, yeah. it was. I there were some people that looked at it for a while and then went on and did other stuff. We were out there the whole time, yeah. and it was a uh, like my hands were good. I had to go inside and get glo- my gloves that I brought. That was the only time I wore gloves the entire trip. Um, <laughs> it, it was pretty cold, but on like they were giving. They had, like, people coming around with, like, trays of hot chocolate, and, like, you had to be quick to get one. <laughs> but, I thought but, that was kind yeah. of fun. Yeah. And Mickey and Minnie were dressed in their, like, Alaska gear walking around on the deck. I probably had, like, four cups of hot <laughs> chocolate in that two hours. You may have. And so, yeah, in general, the Alaska cruise was pretty temperate. A lot of times if you're on deck, though, the air is chilly, um, coming, especially when you're near the glaciers, because the air is coming off the ice. And in addition, we had like when we first sailed in, it was really misty, like misty rain. And that made it pretty chilly, but it was really nice because we pulled up and a lot of that cleared off. And the naturalist actually pointed out during that time that that was the actual best kind of weather to have. Like if it's been cloudy or foggy and it clears out because he said the blue is much more enhanced. If you come up and it's been sunny for like hours before you see it, the color is more dull looking. I mean, it's not like vibrant. Yeah, vibrant. Thank you. (laughs) I thought that was really interesting. And one thing about being on the ship, it's usually not too cold unless you're exposed to the wind. Like if there's something in the way of where the wind is, you'll be fine. But the wind is what makes it like really cold. Well, and even at the end of watching the glacier, as we started to sail away, because we we went up, we were on deck four for most of the viewing, which was kind of nice, because when it was misting, it wasn't actually misting on us very much. But then at the end, we went up to the top deck and ate on the deck. We were we were eating yeah. outside, and we were perfectly comfortable. As because as further we got away from the ice, it was a little bit more temperate. But the nice thing was watching it recede and watching <laughs> the other ships sail up to it was just kind of fun. I mean, you got the requisite pictures where it looks like we're pinching the glacier. Oh yeah, I did the thing where like holding the glacier, <laughs> holding the glacier, <laughs> cheesy <laughs> vacation shots. Yeah, I, I actually kind of liked that part a lot. The part where they were catching the icebergs was kind oh, of yeah. fun. Yeah, you should like so. Uh, while we were there, they they had crew members operating this little like basket that would they would try to catch an iceberg, and like obviously the tinier ones, not the really huge ones, but like the ones that were like maybe like five feet wide, or, like and they eventually they caught one and they put it up on deck so you could go like feel it and like sit on it or just like have it take a picture and it was like there was a line for most of the day and the next day yeah yeah it, it lasted for like three days or something like that yeah i think it was much smaller the next day but there was still a little chunk of it left on the third day they and you thought that it was exciting to touch the glade to touch the tiny piece of ice (laughs) and then you sat on it at this (laughs) 
We got some good pictures of him like standing on the ice. One tip with that is it's cool to go see it right after they bring it up on deck. But if you wait a little bit until after you're sailing away, the line dies down a lot. Or if you go like during dinner, when one half of the ship's in dinner, you can pretty much walk yeah. right up. And we took like 20 pictures of him standing on it and sitting on it and me sitting on it. And there was nobody waiting to take a picture. So it was kind of like our little block of ice for a while. <laughs> and it was like super clean ice. Except it had, like, little tiny bits of, like, dirt in it. The silt, uh, yeah. silt. And, like, it was just, like, <laughs> kind of cool to see what the glacier was actually made of. Like, yeah. The other thing the- I thought that was cool about the, the Yakutat Bay was you could see really clearly where the past glaciers had also been on the sides of that bay. And you could see the cl- the moraines and the, the where it had carved its way through. It was very obvious. Like, they'll talk, to, they'll talk about how it's kind of the bowl. I thought that was one of the places where it was the most obvious because it had been recent enough that some of it didn't even have vegetation yet. And, like, it was kind of cool to see, like, like the parts, like, a, a little bit farther back were all, like, green and stuff. And then there was, like, some parts that were, like, dirt. And they were all kind of, like, Looked like they had been like chiseled out. Like, yeah, they were like in various stages of kind of coming back from the yeah. glacier going through. And you could see like some of them had trees, and then some of them only had like shrubs, and then some of them had nothing. One thing I thought was interesting in the naturalist talk, he talked a little about kind of the history of the ice. Yeah, and I think you want to talk a little bit about that. So he said that like um, they go to Antarctica and places like with really deep ice, and they have these special drills and get like half a mile of ice out of the ground. And, like, when they pull it up, they can see, like, through layers in the ice, they can see, like, when different events happened. And it helps them, like, know, like, when events that were too far back in history to really know exactly happened. So, like, one example is, like, when Yellowstone erupted, they see, like, a little layer of suit in the ice. And then when, like, Pompeii, a smaller layer. And an interesting thing is um, he said that they could tell when the Industrial Revolution happened because the ice had, like, layers of, like... Like it got a bit dirtier, I guess, um, at that spot. And I think that was really cool. Yeah. And Krakatoa, he said that you could see oh, yeah. the Krakatoa dust in the ice from way back. I think I thought it was interesting how far away some of those events were that ended up in the ice. Like Pompeii was probably the furthest, but Krakatoa was a massive explosion and it had a pretty solid line through it. And one thing he said is that um, there's a, I forget where it is, but there's like an ice bank where they have like a bunch of, in a really cold room, they have a bunch of, like, shards, like, uh, not really shards, but, like, big pillars of ice, like, half a mile, or not half a mile, they cut them up a little bit. Um, but they have them stored from, like, different places, like, for for the future, if people want to, like, study them. Kind of like the seed bank. Don't they, like, drill into it and then pull out, like, a like yeah. a long stick? Yeah. It's, like, a super long stick. It, but it's kind of like the seed bank, so, like, they have preserved stuff so that yeah, they can study I, in the I future. that was cool. Really, the whole thing was cool. It was, it was, that was just my favorite. I would have to say that was my favorite day of the whole cruise. <laughs> we, we actually took the nine night Oscan cruise because of Hubbard Glacier, because it was the only one that went there. And I was pretty happy that we did that. It, th- that one is only typically offered once per year by Disney. And like this year, uh, COVID-19 notwithstanding, it wasn't even on the itinerary. I noticed it's back for next year. People can take advantage of it again. I don't know why they would ever drop it because it was so yeah. cool. Um, the next day we went out and we were actually the only port that we were on in Alaska that was on the Pacific side rather than the inside passage side was Sitka. And it was kind of interesting too, because I believe this was the first time that Disney wonder has been back to Sitka in quite a while. Uh, I guess it's been a year or two. A couple of people, um, crew members were telling us and, uh, 
Did you like the excursions we did and remember them? <laughs> I remember, I, you don't remember it? So, I mean, a lot of them, I probably remember, but like a lot of them like blend together. But. Yeah, so we did, the tour was booked through Disney. This one we did, so we did kind of half and half on this trip. The um, tour was called, if you're trying to find the same tour, Sitka Culture Natural Park. Oh, I remember. Center. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Um, it was yeah. about four hours and it took about, it was about $75 each. So it was a pretty good deal for what we did. I will preface this by saying, We'll talk about them in the order we did them, but my understanding is that sometimes they vary the order in which you go places to staggered traffic. So you may have this in the opposite order or all together different. But we started out at the Sitka National Historic Park, which was a cultural and natural nature trail, and they have a lot of totem poles of varying ages. What I thought was interesting was the totem poles, they were all from Alaska originally, but they actually put them there and put them there for this historic site from the exposition that was in St. Louis in 1904. So they didn't originate there. They were in St. Louis and they were like, oh, we're going to bring them here and display them all in one place. So said they aren't all from exactly that area. I think they're kind of an amalgamation of different places. The actual historical park is the site of an old Clinket fort and a battle that was fought between the Clinkets and the Russians back in 1804. And so the totem poles are a collection of Haida or Haida, I'm not sure how, um, exactly how to say that, and Clinket totem poles that were then moved to the park. So I just, I just thought that was interesting. And did, yeah. did you get a junior ranger there, badge there too? I don't think so. No, but you made um, something. Didn't you make a craft? Oh, yeah, I made like a... They had these like metal things. That you, there was a guy there who would like make a bracelet and like you could like etch in something, like a design. And then he would like put it into like a press and bend it into like a shape of a bracelet. That was the day that World World's 2019, like Cuban. Oh, for Cuban. So Sam is a competitive cuber. So if you know the Rubik's Cube puzzle, he usually doesn't use Rubik's Cubes when he's doing it. But <laughs> he, um, he does a lot of those different puzzles and competes. And so I think he was trying to take advantage of Wi-Fi to find out how people were doing at the yeah. World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like... When we when you arrived there it was like the perfect time because the finals was happening so I was like refreshing my phone and like getting what was happening. <laughs> so when, yeah, one nice thing about Alaska, if you have teens with you on the trip, particularly or adults, really, is your plan is the same. And so unlike when you're visiting foreign ports and you have to have an international plan, you don't have to have that there, and they could turn it on and actually get a little cellular data if there was cellular connection, which was rare. Or we went to a lot of places that had free Wi-Fi so they could do like a quick connection and, you know, see a requisite YouTube video of someone winning a championship. I was on a YouTube site. <laughs> I have enough data to do a okay. YouTube video. But. <laughs> so, that, yeah, that was good timing. I think we went from there, too, to the Raptor Center. And when I read about it, I wasn't sure what to think about this because it seemed like I wasn't sure what they were going to show. But it was, I thought it was really fascinating. It was a place where they... That was my favorite part of Sitka. It was your favorite the, part of Sitka? Yeah. And they had this, like, they brought this bird out. Um, I forget what type. It was a hawk? I think it was a hawk. I think it was a gray hawk. Um, but they brought him out, and he, he on a on their arm, and they like, showed us him, and he was just, I forget, what did he do? <laughs> he did. They kind of just showed us, like, like parts of his wing and stuff like that. Yeah. They have, like, two really, they rehabilitate birds that have been injured, and they specialize in birds of play, prey, so there are a lot of eagles. There's some hawks. There are some other kinds of birds there that have been brought there because of their expertise. But for the most part, it's it's a lot of eagles. And they have two really big indoor places where they can rehabilitate and fly, like within the enclosure in a safe environment. And they have some outdoor enclosures. Most of the birds in the outdoor enclosures 
were birds that probably can't return to the wild because they had so much damage to the wings or whatever. So they were not necessarily enclosed, but couldn't really fly off. Um, they were enclosed more to keep predators out. But most of the birds that they rehabilitate go back in the wild. They showed us like a video on the thing, right? Yeah, they showed the us a video projector. of what they do and yeah. the kind of birds they help. And the birds are cute. <laughs> the birds were cute. And they had a thing where you could test your wingspan against the oh, eagle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last stop, and I am not sure I will say this right, was the Shika Kwanokaiti, I believe, community house. It's a Clinket dancers were there. And it's basically a cultural house for the Klingit um, tribe. And they performed some songs of tradition and shared their culture, told us a little bit about why they would do the different dances, what kinds of ceremonies they'd be in and perform them there. And I actually thought that was really cool. Um, it was, and it was really nice because they had um, people there from all different ages. There were some little bitty kids in the group that did a really good job all the way up to older members of the tribe. And it was, it was just a really great way for them to share their culture with us and for us to learn more from a first, from a first nation standpoint. And their, their traditions are so rich in that, in all the cities we went to. I like that one too. Uh, we had a pretty good view. Like we were, yeah. <laughs> we were like in the second row. Yeah. So, um, and they had like a fire in the middle and like they, the smoke was going through the roof. I actually kind of recommend the second row versus the first row because I think yeah. you can see the dancers better. Yeah. The way it's set up. So it, it was nice. And we met some nice people around us who were actually on our same ship that we'd never seen before. So <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of fun. And I think that took up most of our time in Sitka. It was a little bit shorter day board than, say, Juno. I thought it was a really good amount of time to see the city. They pointed out some things as we drove by in our bus, like... Um, an old, an old church that was there. I think it's St. I want to say it's St. Most of the churches in that area are done in kind of the Russian Orthodox style because Russia had control of that area for so long. So you still see a lot of influence, especially in the architecture. Um, but we didn't stop and go in any of those. We headed back to the ship, I think, because we didn't really have enough time to look around. There's a shuttle going back. We had about an hour until we had to be back on the ship, but it wasn't really enough time to look around much because we would have just had to hurry and catch a shuttle. So... In our continual um, quest to never be left behind in a port, we- <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun. Like when you're like back on a ship and you're watch- like it's getting close to time. It's fun to watch people like running with bags, like trying to catch the ship. <laughs> it's, like- it's a good pastime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I see. You see more of it in the Caribbean. I think. I think yeah. more people are on organized excursions in Alaska, so you don't see as many. We saw a, a few times, but few. in the like when you go to the Bahamas on a cruise ship, they, there's always people like who like don't manage your time well and like are running back trying to get on the ship. We haven't seen anyone miss one yet, but yeah. I have seen some YouTube videos of people who have like, <laughs> arrived. I mean, we've seen them like closing up the thing and someone runs in and they wait for them. But <laughs> yeah, I have a fear of that. So yeah. I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anything you want to add? Because we have one more port left that we're that I'll talk about on the next episode. We went to Victoria after this, and that wrapped up our cruise. So we hope you you'll join me for the next installment from this trip, which is Victoria, and then we'll start talking about some other trips. But join us for episode eight on Victoria, <laughs> and we'll have more more fun stuff for that. If you're interested in seeing some images or videos from Hubbard Glacier, especially, but also Sitka, I do have a video posted on my Adventures of a Tar Heel channel on YouTube if you'd like to see those. And uh, we've captured a couple of calving events and things like that that you can see too. Happy travel. Happy travels.